0: You're listening to Inside the Village where all news is local and no topic is off limits. So help me Bob it's pull in the alley. Wait.
1: Welcome to Inside the Village, I'm Scott Sexsmith with Michael Friscalanti, Editor-in-Chief here at Village Media, Inside the Village, brought to you by our good friends at True North Mortgage, True North Mortgage, where you'll get great advice, save a pile of cash, lots of other things too, uh, find them online at truenorthmortgage.ca. Well, how is the election hangover? It's two, We're taping on Tuesday, October the 25th, the day after the election, the show will drop Wednesday, but uh, how are you feeling? It was, long, it was a long, it was
0: a long night, brother. A lot, a lot, a long, a long night. I actually shaved before the election night and it already grew back. <laughs> it That's was that long. Shadow. It was that long of an evening. No, it was great. You know, it's what, you know, if you're a journalist, elections are, are, are like big events, right? They're yeah, like the Super Bowl, Whether absolutely. it's the federal, provincial, or municipal. And especially as a, as you know, a top-notch local journalism, local news organization, the municipal elections is our most important, one of our most important days of the year. But most important days on our calendar, it's every four years. Right. So I just. I couldn't be more proud of our team. You know, I, I, I'm I'm in the weeds, I suppose, but not in the weeds like they are, and I'm kind of watching from afar. Nobody needed me at all. Nobody asked me one question. Nobody asked me for any help. But that's good, right? I think it's, it's yeah. great. It's great because they just – it was like a well-oiled machine. And, and just – you know, a lot of stuff happened, a lot of numbers coming in in all our communities, um, lots of upsets, lots of surprises, and it was just – it was wild. We did a fantastic job.
1: Any uh, any big surprises maybe as a result of some of uh, the work that we've done across our footprint?
0: Yeah, no, I guess you can never tell for sure if, if our reporting sways enough people or, or if it makes people think. I think I'll say A – We did a fantastic job of previewing the big issues in our communities and the candidates in our communities, right? So, and you saw it in the last week. I think a lot of readers came to our sites as, you know, they're not thinking about it in July. Right. Now that it's the end of October, they're thinking about it. So they come to our sites and they're reading that content and they're saying, okay, I, I feel like an owner, and I actually have seen emails coming in from readers saying, "Thank you for having that." It was a, it was a resource for me that I needed. But then at the same time, you also have some of those controversial stories that we reported on leading up to the election. Um, for example, uh, in Thorold, Jim Handley. Of course, we had the story about right. Jim. Yes, uh, you know, pretty controversial guy already, right? Yep. He's been uh, you know censured by the by the city council in the past, and and there was a, he's being sued now by an elderly couple that he ran over with his truck, and uh, he actually finished. Eighth of eight city councillors, and he won his seat by three votes. Wow. So the person behind him had three votes less. So we're waiting to hear if there's going to be a recount. We're not sure, but uh, but you know, it was pretty close, and he got like 800 votes fewer than he less than he got the, the last election. So there's Very that. interesting. We also saw in Cambridge, the other one that caught my eye was Jan Liggetts, now the new mayor of Cambridge unseating the incumbent, uh, Catherine McGarry, who of course was the subject of some reporting on Cambridge today about the fact that she didn't live in Cambridge, which is okay as long as you lease a business, a business space in Cambridge. Right. And there's a lot of controversy about whether she actually leased this space or not. Dude, did that play a role in the election? Who
1: knows, but in the end she lost, she's no longer the mayor. Wow. Interesting. Uh, terrific job, uh, by you and, and everybody. But in but not me, not the, me, uh, but, but well, yes, by, by what? village for sure. <laughs> Take credit when it's being given to you. I'll take it for the team. A fascinating uh, story for me, uh, just just thinking a little bigger picture, is now four major cities in the uh, province of Ontario being uh, run by uh, former Queen's Park party leaders. Yes, that's true, yeah. John Tory Mm -hmm. in uh, Toronto. Mm, Third term, yeah. Uh, Andrea Horvath friend of the show yes, in yeah. your hometown. In your hometown, yeah, she won of, the hammer. Of, yeah. of <laughs> won yeah. the hammer. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Del Duca in uh, in Vaughn and of course uh, Patrick Brown, uh, former leader of the Conservative Party yeah. in uh, Brampton. Yeah, maybe we need to do a show on this, right? It
0: fascinates me that like politics is like, it's like a career, right? It's like, well, you know, I didn't get this job, like, you know, Del Duca didn't, you know, he's yeah. let, got booted, Andrew Horvath out of the NDP leadership. So I was like, well, so where's my next political, you know, Absolutely. I mean, it's just like, you know, is there nothing else they can do? I don't know. They're, they're just wired that way to do that. Right. You see the politicians who started city council, try to move their way up, and then you kind of see the ones moving yeah. their way back down. Fascinating. Almost goes full circle.
1: Yeah. Uh, interesting, uh, story out of, uh, Puss Lynch, uh, regarding a swastika trail. Yeah. There's another. <laughs> How many times I say this on the show? It's another great example of local journalism, right? But
0: we had a, a reporter there for Guelph Today talking about how there's a trail in Lynch called Swastika Trail. And it's pretty controversial, obviously. The people wanted the name changed. But what's fascinating was there the swastika has a pretty important meaning in the Indian culture and with specifically with Diwali uh, celebrations coming up. So there right. was some debate at the local city council there about how to do this whether to rename this trail and it was, it was I thought it'd be a no-brainer but in fact it wasn't and our reporting talked about why why it wasn't and why some members of certain communities wanted to keep the name in the end the city councilor voted 4 to 1 to uh, change the name to Holly Trail which you know for you and I probably would think that's the right decision but some people were disappointed so Interesting when you hear, when you see a headline like swastika trail, it's like, well, there's actually a story there and there's a lot, little more context. So we did a great job providing that interesting stuff.
1: Uh, I noticed a bit of a, a a skip in your step uh, this week around the office. I know that you guys have been doing some great stuff and, and, and you're really proud of the team and, and some, some terrific stories uh, in the past week.
0: Yeah. You know what I noticed too that. We do a great job of all those things we just talked about, about you know shining a spotlight on things that need to be reported. You know, talking about some uncomfortable issues, holding power to account, which is what local journalists do. But we also had just some great feel-good stories, telling stories about the wonderful people in our community. Right? I think of like in Midland, there was a there was a high school student who won offs, I believe, and she, she's yeah. blind. Yeah, and so she's trained with a with with a supporter who runs behind her. She just won off. So it's just, you know, an unbelievable story. In Collingwood, there was a grade three uh, kid, young boy who raced cross country in a wheelchair. And the, like the photos alone with that story, the people were just so happy for this kid, right? It really renewed <laughs> your faith in humanity, right? And then really had a couple whoppers, um, both written by Tyler Evans, our <laughs> friend of the show. Uh, there was a candy store there that has uh, been open for a long, long time. And it's, uh, the owners are retiring before they, before the new owners took over, they decided to sell all their stock at a discounted price and yeah. donate it to charity to a local awesome. food bank, which is amazing. And then there are a couple there married for 70 years, Crazy. 70 years. Could you imagine? We've done this show for like a few months. Could you, <laughs> could you imagine being married? <laughs> I couldn't imagine doing this with you for 70 years. Ain't going to happen. Yeah. Just really good stuff. You know, and it just shows that wide range of what great local journalism
1: is. Absolutely. The first word to Frisco. Uh, food prices, uh, back in the news, um, Rising at a rapid rate, uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Mike Van Massau, who is a food economist. I've never heard of a food economist. He's uh, just that, though, out of the uh, University of Guelph. It's going to be an interesting discussion. And we'll do that next when Inside the Village, brought to you by True North Mortgage, returns after this.
0: From newsmakers to celebrities to other prominent guests, you'll find them all on Village Media's new interview series, Up Close and Personal. Join host Scott Sexsmith as he goes one-on-one with well-known Canadians to hear their story. Up close and personal, look for it on your favourite village media website across Ontario.
1: Welcome back to Inside the Village, brought to you by True North Mortgage, where you'll get great advice and save a pile of cash. You can find them online at truenorthmortgage.ca. With Michael Friscalanti, Editor-in-Chief here at Village Media, I'm Scott Sexsmith. We're pleased to be joined on the program now by Mike Van Massow, a food economist at the University of Guelph. Mike, welcome to the program. It's uh, great to have you here today. Uh, thanks for having
0: me. Mike, thanks again uh, for, for joining us. I appreciate it, especially on short notice. Uh, we're all reading the news yesterday about the Competition uh, Bureau's uh, announcement that they've uh, launched basically a study into the highly concentrated grocery sector in Canada and whether that's contributing to what we're all seeing at the grocery store, skyrocketing prices. I guess we'll start in a general sense, Mike. What what, what, what caught your eye? What, what was your initial reaction when you saw that news release?
2: Well, I wasn't surprised. You know, I think that we've seen lots of noise around food price inflation, inflation you know we'd seen uh, some activity at the uh, at at parliament with the NDP federal NDP coming out and saying we should investigate this there was going to be a there is going to be a parliamentary committee to look at it so i think there was some political will to look at this what what did surprise me though was the limited scope of of this study the the study is really just going to focus on Uh, the consumer pricing uh, at retail. And I think that there's, you know, lots of people have come out and said, there's not any strong evidence that there's been anything here. We know that the competition bureau has been looking at the bread price fixing where someone even admitted something's happened and Mm -hmm. that's gone on for years. Uh, So uh, I am surprised that they said, no, we're only going to look at that. And we're not going to look at the, the relationship between suppliers and, and retail, where there's been a lot more discussion of these retailers wielding their market power, like sort of taking advantage of the concentration and share that they have. So not surprised they did this, not sure they'll find a whole lot, uh, and a bit surprised that they limited it. It's interesting what you said. You think this is more than a political decision, like more an optics thing than an actual fact-finding mission? Well, I think they are, I mean, again, I think they are going to legitimately go try and find something. What what I'm saying is I'm not sure that there's a whole lot there to find. Mm. And even if there is something there to to find, it'll be very difficult to find evidence uh, that it went on. So, I I'm I'm very supportive of getting out and and helping people understand uh, the helping people understand the reasons that food prices are going up but i'm not sure that this study will find anything so
1: mike the uh, the price of food has been going up at a faster pace than the overall uh, rate of inflation for about 10 months now is is there an end
2: in sight or is this the new normal well i'm not sure it's the new normal like i don't think we're going to see 10% increases in prices forever but i do think that uh, we're we're likely to see price increases continue for the next few months For a variety of reasons, low Canadian dollar, ongoing war in Ukraine, uh, going to winter uh, and starting to get produce from the southern U.S. where it's very dry. So... I, I hate to be sort of Debbie Downer here, but uh, I, I'm not that optimistic uh, in the short run about relief. Mm-hmm. You mentioned
0: some of those those reasons, but can we speak to that? I mean, the average person is in the grocery aisle with their cart and some of the prices are uh, astronomical, right? When you think, holy cow, what I paid for, you know, chicken, for example, two years ago, yeah. it's gone through the roof. What are some of the reasons that you, you would you say to a person who asked you, Professor, why this is happening?
2: Well, it's easy to blame the retailer, right? Because mm-hmm. that's who we're giving our money to. Mm-hmm. But the, the truth is that we're the, the war in Ukraine uh, has limited the export of wheat and vegetable oil, or at least oil seeds from the Ukraine, which has raised the global price of, uh, of those products. So we're seeing vegetable oils, bakery products go up. It's also... Uh, seen uh, fuel prices go up, and almost all of our food gets shipped on trucks. So that I- impacts across the board. We've seen uh, weather events last year, Western Canada was very dry. This year, most of the Midwest of the US was very dry. Uh, and so there are, uh, there are a variety of things, sort of a perfect storm of impacts all happening at the same time, which is making them making this worse than usual. You may remember a few years ago when we uh, complained about $10 heads of cauliflower, mm-hmm. uh, and that was very specifically due to some frost in California, and in that circumstance, cauliflower went up for a while till the new crop started coming, and we got relief. Well, this is like frost in California, drought in, in the Midwest, war in the Ukraine, all of these sort of things adding up at once and, and causing us this grief.
0: That's a great example, Mike. Thanks for that. I remember that that story; it was ridiculous. <laughs> but you mentioned retailer gouging. Is there some of that going on? I mean, sometimes I do wonder, man, how can they be charging this much? They must be making some money here.
2: Well, it, it, let me first say they are making money, mm-hmm. and, oh, and sure. in fact, they're making they're making more money than they've made before. A big part of that is that you know restaurants have been, if not closed, at least reduced, and that's now compounded by the fact that food prices are going up so many of us are choosing to eat out less so the uh, overall share of the food dollar has gone up gone up and that's i think a big part of why profits are going up there's not a lot of evidence that uh that retailers are taking advantage of the fact that prices are going up and putting up their prices more than that as despite the concentration we see there is still a lot uh, there's still a lot of um competition between these retailers to get people in the door. Where I do think that there's been some pressure is back to suppliers to say, you either need to take a price cut or you need to you, you need to pay these additional fees. And that's been a way that they've been able to maintain their margins or maybe even grow their margins. So I'm not saying the retailers are uh, angels here by any stretch. I'm just not sure that we're seeing evidence that they're that they're unnecessarily gouging consumers,
1: Mike. Uh, speaking of retailers, uh, read a few weeks ago that uh, Loblaw's announced that they are freezing uh, prices of their uh, No Name uh, product line uh, through till January. Then I saw a competitor come out and say, "Yeah, but that's standard practice in Q4 uh, every year." Is is that just a marketing ploy?
2: Well, first, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. You know, <laughs> if if uh, if they're if they're telling us they're going to freeze prices on something for for a little bit. Uh, to me, it doesn't give us relief from the pressure we've had in the past, but it gives us a little bit of insurance or a buffer going forward. Um, You know, it's not a huge share of the marketplace and it's not all products and it's not forever. Uh, So I can understand the cynicism as to as to the timing and the fact that they did an advertising campaign. But but the truth is, it it will help some people, particularly people who are already buying at the low end of the price range, which is where those no-name products sit. But it, this isn't completely altruistic. There was some attempt to you know, get some attention and maybe head off some of the critiques coming from Parliament Hill. So it was maybe a bit self-serving, but there is actually some benefit.
0: The reality here, too, is these types of price increases that we've seen – are impacting people who are struggling right more more than anybody they're impacting people who are already on the margins who are already struggling to pay their grocery bills every month you're a food economist Mike I don't know if it's a fair question but what advice what can direction can we give people who are in that bracket who are struggling to to already pay their grocery bills and now seeing the prices just
2: go up and up well michael you you make a great point is is people who are at who are struggling to start with are also struggling with the cost of fuel, struggling with the cost of housing, all of those sorts of things. They're making choices between paying the bills or buying food. And, and for them, it's harder to adjust. You know, I I'm lucky. I'm gainfully employed. I have a good, I have a good salary. I'm making adjustments in my purchasing behavior based on inflation, but some people at the margins have been, have, have been, have have made all of the adjustments they can mm-hmm. and so in those cases if you're in those cases in the end it becomes a little bit making choices as to what bills to pay and in some cases eating fewer calories and i and i think that that's that's a tragedy
0: mm-hmm. i appreciate that mike you know it kind of gives us food for thought pardon the pun but but when things like this happen it also makes you wonder about the way we take food for granted, that we take our groceries for granted, that you walk into No Frills or, or Roams or wherever you go shop, that it's going to be there, right? And I wonder if times like this sort of make us think if there's other ways for us to be dealing with food security, dealing with, with where we get our groceries. Is that a conversation we need to be having,
2: Mike? Well, I think it is a conversation we need to be having. and And I think as we look back over the past few years, both with price inflation and with the disruptions of COVID, what to me is a a profound success is that the, the food system bent, but it didn't break. We were never in a case where there was no food available. And to me, food security in Canada isn't about not having access to food. Food security in Canada is an income issue. And and I think we, we need to be having that discussion and we need to look, frankly, at the people who are the working poor, the people on disability, the people who are on Ontario Works and those sorts of things, and saying, "Are we providing enough to give them uh, a reasonable uh, access, reasonable access to food?" So, yes, it's a discussion we should be having. A long-winded answer. It is a discussion we should be having. But frankly, I'm not sure it's about having enough food. It's about making sure that the people, the people who are vulnerable, have enough money to buy the food that's available.
1: I uh, just saw a picture on Twitter this morning from a grocery store in Southern Ontario that featured a head of iceberg lettuce for $6 and 79 cents. Wow. So that's, I mean, I remember when you could buy a head of iceberg in the, in the twos, Mm -hmm. you know, low threes. Uh, It's crazy. Uh, Professor, is there anything else that we haven't uh, touched on that you think that our, uh, our viewers or listeners uh, would benefit from?
2: No, you've asked a bunch of great questions. So uh, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to have a chat with you. Mike Van
1: Massau, food economist at the University of Guelph. A terrific perspective and insight today. Thanks for doing this.
2: Perfect. Thanks for having me.
0: Reporters, editors, and journalists who go the extra mile to get the story and get it right. Go behind the scenes with those who cover the stories that matter most to you and your community. Look for it in the Village Features section of your favorite village media website across Ontario.
1: Back to wrap on Inside the Village with Michael Friscalani, Editor-in-Chief. I'm Scott Sexmith. program brought to you by True North Mortgage, where you'll find great advice and save a pile of cash. You can find them online at truenorthmortgage.ca. Uh, Mike was a fantastic guest. I uh, wish the topic was uh, a little cheerier. Um, so inflation up 6.9%, uh, food costs up 11% relative to that. And that tweet that I was referring to uh, just to put it into context, goes like this. Wish this was a joke. $8 bread, $7 eggs, $7 milk. And I was actually wrong on the iceberg lettuce. six ninety nine dollars 99 ahead, not six seventy nine. Wow. When does the madness end?
0: You said $7 eggs, you said. Eh? Yeah. That's yeah. that's unheard of. That's just crazy. You know, to be honest, I, I know maybe it's not correct to say, but I feel like maybe part of the issue is we need to be a little bit more like my grandmother. I mean, I remember going to her house every weekend to cut the grass and she would be, at every flyer on the table, clipping yep. coupons, and that's just the way she did business, right? And I think maybe we all need to maybe uh, figure out how to
1: channel that a little bit. I don't know if you recall, but I do know that you are a fan of the uh, television network TLC. Do you re- <laughs>
0: Every night, every night.
1: <laughs> do you remember the show Extreme Couponing? I do, yeah. yeah. I, I I hope to goodness that it, it doesn't get to that because I don't have the patience uh, for coupon clipping and I'm I'm guessing you don't either. No, no. My grandmother, though, she was patient, man. I think we need to channel that, I'm telling you. I'm with you, brother. Inside the Village, uh, we'll be back next week uh, with episode 23. Thanks, pal. We'll see you in a week. Right on. Insidethevillage.ca is where you'll find all back episodes uh, of the program wherever you get your favorite podcast and, of course, across the Village Media Network. Inside the Village brought to you by True North Mortgage. True North Mortgage where you'll find great advice, save a pile of cash, and you can do all that and more at truenorthmortgage.ca. For Michael, Frisco Editor-in-Chief at Village Media. I'm Scott Sexmith.
2: Talk to you in a week. You've been listening to Inside the Village. Frisco and Scott's wardrobe provided in part by Moores Sault Ste. Marie.